welcome to another C3 Church Rockingham podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au. I want to jump straight into the Word this morning. We are launching a new series called Soul Food and my kind of hashtag today is honey on my lips and that'll make sense as we go along. And I want to remind you of some stuff that you already know, but here's the first thing. We should never forget that God planned for us to live victoriously in this life. God designed you to live a victorious life in victory over the devil. I think there was a flat spot after I said that because quickly you assess some areas and go, well, I don't see the victorious life that you're talking about. If you have a look at the Old Testament believers, those that followed God, they seen some very outstanding things happen in their life. And God said that the latter church was gonna be greater than the former church. And so I wanna present to you today from the Word that possibly one of the reasons we are not seeing the victories that we could be seeing is because we've made forgiveness the ultimate in God instead of the blessing. Often people think that forgiveness is God's ultimate plan, but it's just the beginning of His plan to unlock the ultimate plan that He has for you, that you would live the blessed life, that you would live life and life more abundantly. But to understand that, you've got to look at some things. You probably all know the four spiritual laws because if you've come here on any given weekend, I try and say and quote the four spiritual laws every weekend somewhere across the service so that it gets deep on the inside of us so that when it's time to share our faith, we can refer to it. And that is the main message of the Bible. The first one is that God loves you and has an incredible plan for your life. Second spiritual law is that man is separated from God's love and God's plan because of sin. That sucks. Third spiritual law, Jesus Christ is God's exclusive solution for sin. There's no other solution for sin except Jesus. That's why we all must come to Him. And then the final law states that each one of us must personally receive Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And when we do, we connect with God's love and God's plan. Can I give you those four laws in a little different bent this morning? Jesus said that He would give us keys to the kingdom. He says, I'll give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm and whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you release on earth will be released in heaven. Whatever you forgive, uh, whatever you forbid on earth is already forbidden in heaven. Whatever you release on earth is already released in heaven, is another way of saying it. Look at that, those four spiritual laws in, in this light and you understand that God loves you and holds the keys to your best life. Sin is what's keeping those doors locked, keeping you locked out of your best life. Jesus holds the master keys to your best life. When you surrender to Him, He gives you those keys. Are you with me? This altar that we're putting our faith towards today is a place where we can connect anew with what God has for us intended from the beginning of time. Come with me to Isaiah uh, Isaiah uh, chapter 1. Isaiah 1 and we're going to read from verse 18. Are you doing okay? Give me a shout out the back. Are you doing okay? Come now, let us settle this, says the Lord. 
One translation says, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. If you will only obey me. The New King James says, if you are willing and obedient, you will have plenty to eat. But if you turn away and refuse to listen, you will be devoured by the sword of your enemies. Willing and obedient. God says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Often we find ourselves in a place where we're willing, but we're not obedient. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we're obedient, but we're not so willing. You know, it's like the mum that brings her little boy to church and it's time for praise and worship and the little boy's sitting down and mum turns to the boy and tells him to stand up. He doesn't wanna stand up. He crosses his arms and refuses, shakes his head. But eventually mum gets him to stand during the worship. He's obedient, but he's not willing because some partway through the worship set where it gets a little quiet, he looks to his mum and says, I'm standing up on the outside, but I'm sitting down on the inside. The difference between willing and obedient. God is calling us to that place where we live before Him, willing and obedient. As a result of coming out of the prayer meeting and um, from Friday night, well, that was Saturday morning actually, uh, we came into this understanding of a new day. And with that in mind, I do believe God wants us to confront some stuff. Is it okay to confront some stuff? Yeah. That there's some things that we've got to let go of from behind us from the past so that we can move forward afresh into the new. There's some things that we've got to recalibrate in our life so that God can bring us into this brand new day. I, I do believe that there are habits that are bad that are holding us back. I do believe that some of those bad habits aren't sins necessarily, but it's like Hebrews says that we should let go of the weights, the things that are heavy that are stopping us moving forward. It goes weights and sins, but let's have a look at some bad habits that we could get rid of. I, I was in a meeting early in my walk with God and preacher was preaching and talking, I think it was kind of one of those shredder Sundays where you were writing out those requests before God and just letting them go. And that, that thing was all about disappointment and just you're holding on to this thing that didn't work out. For me, it was the collapse of the business that cost me, me and my family a lot of money. And it was like, I was carrying this disappointment around with me everywhere I went and not really living where I was right now with brand new opportunities. And so when I, I found this was something powerful that took place, when I just wrote this thing out and released it in the natural, it was like it, I left it behind and started to live in the opportunity of the here and now. And so I do believe that there are things that you can bring before the Lord, let them go in prayer. But when you write it out and you put it in a place, I think that was a shredder that we actually put it through. Tonight, we're gonna put it on a fire, whatever works, but the reason we're in this zone is because we believe we serve a God who answers by fire. Let me pray just one moment. Father, thank You today that our hearts would be open, our minds receptive. As we receive Your Word, let it unlock for us the things that we need so that we can live our best life now. As I was praying for this morning, I believe that God said very clearly that there's some sins, negative cycles, some shackles of bondage 
that He's asking us to bring before Him and let go and let God do the work that He needs to do. At the altar of surrender, which is represented by a fire pit, I think God wants to do something brand new in every one of our lives. Can I encourage you? Can I invite you today to be a part of this? Can I invite you to take a prayer request form, fill it out? There are some stations where you can do that while we're, while the preacher's going this morning. There's some at the front here and some at the back. Maybe you don't wanna do it now. Maybe you wanna take it home this afternoon and prayerfully write out your requests before the Lord. And that's okay. If you can get back here tonight to do that, that'll be amazing. But you know what? Regardless of whether you put it on the altar this morning and can't make it back tonight or you come back tonight, we're gonna bring it before God and believe for Him to do something powerful for you and your family. Come with me to Deuteronomy chapter 12. I wanna have a look at this in the Old Testament. And it's an account just for the backdrop backdrop of the story. It's an account of God's people um, getting ready to move into the promised land. But the problem was that they had stopped practising the things they'd learned from their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And with that in mind, I wanna take you to Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse one as we look at it. These are the decrees and regulations you must be careful to obey when you live in the land that the Lord your God, the God of your ancestors is giving you. You must obey them as long as you live. When you drive out the nations that live there, you must destroy all the places where they worship their gods, high on the mountains, up on the hills and under every green tree. Break down their altars and smash their sacred Pillars, burn their Asherah poles and cut their carved idols. Completely erase the names of their gods. If you get time to study out the backdrop to this and what was going on at that time, the people of God had come into a place of worshipping God, but they'd brought with them their old practices from their pagan days. They had brought with them pagan worship in fact, if you look at it in the message paraphrase, it says, uh, tear down those altars of sex and religious shrines. They were engaging in false worship. They were engaging in fake faith and immoral practices. God's people had not broken bad from their past. They hadn't burned their pagan practices. As you read on, verse four, God says, do not worship the Lord your God in the way these pagan peoples worship their gods. Rather, you must seek the Lord your God. At the place of worship, He will choose from among all the tribes, the place where His name will be honoured. There you will bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your sacred offerings, your offerings to fulfil a vow, your voluntary offerings and your offerings of the firstborn animals of your herds and flocks. There you and your families will feast in the presence of the Lord, your God, and you will rejoice in all you have accomplished because the Lord, your God, has blessed you. Because the Lord, your God, has blessed you. God's ultimate plan for our life is not just forgiveness, but His blessing upon our lives. What the people of God had moved away from was the practices of Abraham, 
Isaac and Jacob. And their practice was this. This was the order in which they worship God and how they serve God. When God would speak to them and send them to a brand new place, when God called Abraham out of the Ur of Chaldeans into a, his new place, a place that He was showing him, the first thing Abraham did was build an altar. The very next thing Abraham would do would be dig a well. And then the final thing he would do would be pitch his tent. Can you say with me this morning, build an altar, dig a well, pitch a tent. If you gloss over it, you miss the power of the understanding that flowed out of our forefathers. They built an altar. An altar is a place of worship. An altar is a place of sacrifice. An altar is a place of commitment. What we find today is that in this story in Deuteronomy is that they had stopped building God's altar and digging the well, then pitching their tent. Maybe like today, a lot of people are building their tents, sipping from wells and visiting altars. Let me say it to you a different way. We, we visit church, we visit a conference, we visit this thing, but we never really build an altar. We sip from the well. A well is not for sipping from, a well is from drawing from. A well is for drinking from. And I've got to draw from the well of my devotion before God. I've got to, I've got to drink and draw from the well of the Word that I'm developing in my own life. I'm sorry, when you come here on Sunday, it's not possible for me to give you enough of a spiritual drink to get through to the next week in a healthy and buoyant way. If you rely upon the Word that pours out a one pulpit on a Sunday to hydrate you for the the next seven days, I wanna tell you that you are gonna be dehydrated before you get to Friday and the spiritual strength and buoyancy that you need, you're not gonna have. And you're gonna say, you know, I'm just not getting out of church what I need to get out of church. I'm sorry, my friend, that's an altar. That's a place for sacrifice. That's a place for prayer. That's a place for worship. But you gotta dig your own well so that you can draw up nourishment from Christ that will sustain you on Friday afternoon when everything's in deep Wheaties. On Monday morning, when you find everything's going to mud, it's what you got out of the well that you have dug for yourself and Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, they understood that the enemy would often come along and stick stuff in their well to pollute their well. And it's what the enemy does today. He tries to throw stuff into, he tries to pollute your spiritual source of life so that when you do draw from that water, you draw with it negativity, you draw with it resentment, you draw with it disappointment, you draw with it the things that you're not supposed to have on the inside of you. Say with me, build your altar, dig your well, pitch your tent. God's ultimate plan for your life is not just forgiveness, but blessing. And if we'll learn how to build our altars, build the house of God, it's important today to understand that God spoke to these guys here in Deuteronomy and said, you know what? In the pagan times, you could worship on the top of the hill. You could worship amongst the trees. You could worship before those false idols. They were actually phallic idols because they were uh, sexually immoral people and they, were, they built shrines to worship those things. And he says, what I need you to do is break down those things, cut them down and burn them. 
In fact, he said, you're gonna need to, where is it? I need to find it clearly. Break down their altars, smash the sacred pillars, burn the Asherah poles. There are some things that need to be broken down, smashed and burned. Cut off from the past, don't bring them into what God has called you to do here today. Digging your well is about your personal relationship with God, who is your source of life. Don't just sip from a well, drink from it. You need more than a verse a day to keep the devil away. I love, I love the fact that today when we come to church, we don't so much open our Bibles, but we turn them on. And I love the fact that when I turn on my device in the morning, one of the first things that pops up is the verse of the day. But listen, my friend, if I am gonna sip my way through life on a verse a day and then kind of wonder why I'm getting dehydrated spiritually, there's no, there's no mystery about it. I love those things. It's a great add-on. It's kind of like putting the lemon in my, lemon in my sparkling water. It's an add-on, but it's not the hydration. We've got to build our altar. We've got to dig our own well. And we've got to pitch our tents. Here in Amos chapter 8 and verse 11, the time is surely coming, says the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread and water, bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from border to border, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Beautiful girls and strong young men will grow faint in that day, thirsting for the Lord's work. I believe there is a revival of the Word of God breaking out right now. I believe the hunger that we see in our young generation, in the beautiful girls and the strong young men is because there's a lack of the Word of God in people's lives. And if we'll get back to the place, we will make this thing our priority. Let a, let a revival of the Word of God, not just in church, in preaching, but in our everyday life, let that come forth and everything will change. God's Word is powerful. God's Word is like honey for our soul. God's Word never returns void. But if we are not prepared to confront those things that need to be confronted, it's not gonna flow. I know it's a serious, strong message, but here's the reality. We live in a day where some religious organisations want to debate things that shouldn't even be debated. We're called to purity. I don't need to have a a debate over sexual confusion. I'm not confused about my sexuality. We probably need to have a discussion about sexual purity. because we can't ignore those things and expect to live in the blessed zone of God. I know that you can find forgiveness and live in a place of forgiveness, but I want my people, the God, God's people who are called by His Name to live in the place of blessing, where everything you do prospers, where you live in victory over the enemy, where, where you stand up in the authority that God has given you and, and you resist the enemy and you see him flee in every single area, that we don't have to bear down and fast and pray for seven days to overcome the enemy. We just stand up in the power that God has given us and realise that greater is He that is in me than he that's in the world. And I can declare a thing out of my mouth. I can decree a thing out of my mouth and it will take place. Build an altar, dig your well, pitch your tent. 
lots of people find themselves in a place today where they're building tents and pitching altars. I've come to this realisation, I can live anywhere. I can live in a rented home. I can live in a lodging. I'm just thankful that today I'm called the landlord. I own my home. Well, along with the bank. But I do know this, I cannot live anywhere. God has called me to worship in one place and to build my life around that one place. I had the great privilege of having lunch with Billsy and his beautiful wife Elaine uh, on on a day this week. Can't remember what day it was, <laughs> but it was a great lunch. And I always love talking to those guys and and just kind of reminding myself that Billsy, where Billsy works, is two hours away from Rockingham. His home is just down the road here with his wife and his beautiful family, but he works two hours away. Where he works, there is lodging there where he can stay during his uh, roster, shift work roster. But he chooses not to because he wants to be home with his family. He chooses not to. He drives two hours one way and two hours back the other day. Apparently on a good day, it's only an hour and a half. Only an hour and a half. But he drives there and back so that he can be with his family. Drives there and back so he can come to practice here on a Tuesday night. Drives there and back so he could be here at a prayer meeting on Friday night. Drives there and back. And you know what? If you look from the outside in, you go, that's crazy. But, but when you know that couple, they have built their altar, dug their well, and they're pitching their tent. They're talking about the next phase. They're looking at where they're going to buy here locally. Because they've got deep down on the inside of them that understanding that in all that we do, everything for us starts different. It starts back to front. It's not where I'm going to work, where I'm going to live. It's where I'm going to worship. Public disclosure by the pastor. I am still pastoring people today by phone and unfortunately other devices or messengers. I just don't like it because some of you might take advantage of it. Don't send me a message on Messenger. They're living on the other side of the nation, used to be here, went there from work and since moving there for work, everything has not worked out so well and I'm still pastoring them on the phone and I just have to come to the place where I say, you know what, just find where your altar is. Get the altar right and work will work out. I didn't say to them, come back here because maybe that's not what, here's the deal, you've got to locate that place of worship. It's not a religious idea, it's not an Old Testament idea, it's a God idea that it's there that He's going to feed you. It's there that He's going to bless you. It's there that the vision of life is going to stay vibrant before your eyes. It's there that when you get into a bind, you can stand with a brother and sister that can walk through with you and you can win the battle together. You've got to build altars, dig wells and pitch tents, but we are building tents. We are working and sacrificing and planning towards the things that one day won't make it through the fire. This statement is still true. We won't be able to take it with us. You know, the Bible says that in heaven, the streets are paved with gold. Could you imagine the guy that gets to heaven and he's somehow been able to take with him a couple of um, bullion, gold bullions with him? You know, he gets there and somehow he's made his way to the, to the entrance of heaven with his two blocks of gold. 
And the angel looks at him crazily and goes, what are you doing with paving bricks? <laughs> Why did you go through all that trouble to bring, like literally the Bible says that the streets are paved with gold. When we get there, it's a completely different view on life, but we are here to capture it now so that we can live our best life for our children, for our future. Build an altar, dig a well, pitch your tent. Now I know that we need a place to live, a car to drive and clothes to wear. Absolutely. And I think God provides all that. But when you put His kingdom first, there's a power and authority that will flow so that you can move into your best life. God still calls us to build an altar, dig our well, then pitch our tents. Everything that we are doing in this everyday natural material life is moving towards a life that's called worship. Let me take you to this one verse here in Psalm 119 as we come into land. In fact, I'm landing right now. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. My prayer today is that God's Word would become honey on your lips. I'm, my mind's going back to about 6.30 this morning where from the kitchen I hear a voice say, Honey, would you like some crumpets and honey? And I went, oh, now on the inside I went, no, I shouldn't have that because it's carbs and it's going to do this and it's going to do that. But then I just thought about crispy golden crumpets <laughs> with butter. Well, actually butter with crumpets, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, once you get the butter and crumpet mix right, you just put golden honey. Over. I just started to think about that. And I went, yes, please. You know what? This word is like honey on your lips. And if it's not, I'm praying there'll be a shift on the inside of you because one word from God can change your life forever. One word from God can change that report from the doctor that says death to the future that says life. One word from God can shift a life of bad cycles and loss of finance and Relationship, it can shift it all around into a life that is overflowing with the blessing of God. Can I invite you today into the life that God has called you to? Can we not be the kind of people that say, Oh, you know what? I won't get permission, so I'll seek forgiveness. We've taken that little joke from life experiences and applied it in our walk before God. And I hear the voice of the Lord saying, Like he did to those in the days of Deuteronomy, in the days of Moses. Don't worship me like you worship those gods. Break down the altars. Cut down the idols. Burn those things and let me show you the life I really designed for you. This is the end of the podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au or call us on 9524 5055.